0: I wonder if we could um, turn in our Bibles then to the book of Acts and to the chapter uh, 8. It's the same passage we looked at on Friday night, those of you who were at the baptism, but we're not just um, staying there. We're going to deal with three chapters, uh, 8, 9, and 10. But we um, want to read from the book of Acts, chapter 8. And uh, we're going to read from verse 26. and the, uh, Verse 26 of uh, Acts chapter 8. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the Prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit and with him. the place of the scripture which he read was this: "He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? for his life is taken from the earth." And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet of this, of himself or some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Amen, we know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to all of our hearts. Let's just unite at the throne of grace again, please. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we thank Thee for the uh, messages and song already tonight. We thank Thee for our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, that our sister was singing about. We thank Thee for the salvation that she was singing about. And we thank Thee for the Word of God already. We thank Thee for this testimony of a man who was saved by the grace of God. And we think of the other testimonies in the chapters that come after this, and we thank thee for these great testimonies that are given and the example that they are for our souls. And we pray even tonight as we gather around thy word that we might have uh, a testimony ourselves to the saving and keeping uh, power of the Lord Jesus Christ, be with us tonight and bless as we further wait upon thee, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. In the book of Acts, we have the uh, great uh, uh, recounting and narrative of mighty testimonies to the saving mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of this book as a book of revival. It is a time when the Holy Ghost comes down in power. And we think of the many people that were saved by the grace of God. We think of the thousands that were saved at Pentecost. We think of the multitude that was saved in the revival around Samaria under the preaching of Philip. And the hundreds that came to Christ and Antioch and other places And as we say, the period of the book of Acts is a period of mighty revival when God was working. And we think of the thousands of souls that came to Christ and formed the New Testament church there in the book of Acts. And so we find that there were many people and they had testimonies to the saving and keeping power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we find that the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us many of the testimonies. We, if they were all told, uh, the Bible or the book of Acts would have been a very big book indeed. Uh, they don't recount all of the testimonies of the various people that came and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Saviour. But we find that the Holy Spirit of God does hone in upon some people. We find that the Bible does begin to focus upon some individuals that were saved. And obviously, the fact that they are identified and these ones are picked out as testimonies that are to go into Holy Writ, there is something that the Holy Spirit wants to say through these testimonies. There's something that is special about these testimonies. And I want you to see that in Acts 8, 9, and 10 there are three particular testimonies that are given. We have the testimony, first of all, of the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, and we read about him in the passage we've already read tonight, how that he had been up in Jerusalem, he had been up worshiping at the temple, and now he's making his way home, and he has a copy of the book of Isaiah, and he's reading there, and he doesn't understand what he is reading. And Philip is sent by the Holy Spirit uh, to go and be with this man and to uh, guide him in what the scripture is saying. And we think of how uh, Philip preaches Christ to him and he puts his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as his Saviour. Then in Acts chapter 9, we have the well known story of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. And here is a religious man a persecutor of God's people, a hater of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he's going up to Damascus in order to persecute the people of God, he sees a light above the light of the sun and the voice speaks to him as the voice of the Savior, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he realized that up until that time, while he'd been a moral religious man, uh, that he was a zealous a religious individual that he did not know the truth. And there in the dust on the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus uh, becomes Paul, the great apostle to the Gentiles. And then in Acts chapter 10, we have another testimony. This is the story of the conversion of a Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius. And he's brought into contact with the apostle Peter In dramatic circumstances, and Peter preached Christ to him, and God brought this Gentile into the kingdom of God. But when you see there, there are three men here, three testimonies, and we're saying that they're given for some reason. And I think that we begin to detect the reason when we see who these men are, because you'll find that these three men are representatives of the three families of men. You know that every one of us is descended from one of the sons of of Noah. Noah came out of the ark. All of the world had been destroyed. There was only Noah and his three sons and their wives. And so every one of us in the world, every man, every woman, every child, has been descended from one of the sons of Noah. And you'll find that these three people here are representatives of the three families. The Ethiopian was a uh, eunuch, was an African, and therefore he is a descendant of Ham, the son of Noah. And then Cornelius is a European, he's a Roman, and he is a representative of the sons of Japheth. And as most of us are, I think probably all of us are, descendants of the sons of Japheth, or the son Japheth. And then Saul was a Jew, and so he was a Semite, a Shemite. Uh, He was a descendant of Shem, the son of Noah. So these are men who are representatives of the world, really. They are the three uh, representatives of the three families of the world. And then you think about where they came from. We think of the Ethiopian eunuch. He is from Africa. You have Cornelius from Europe. And you have Saul from Asia, which were the three great inhabited continents of that day. Uh, Australia really hadn't been discovered, uh, neither really had America been discovered. There might well have been people there, I don't know, by that time. But they they weren't known as continents. So here are the three great inhabited continents of the world. You have Africa, you have Asia, and you have Europe. And so you can see that these men, these three testimonies, and they're put there in the Bible in what we have as three consecutive chapters. The chapter divisions weren't given to later, but they're just there one after the other. These uh, men who are representatives of the world. They're representatives of you and me. And as we look at their stories, we can see things that are similar about them. Because all men, whatever family of the earth they come from, or whatever part of the world you come from, you need to be saved the same way. We are all one flesh. The Bible speaks there is neither Jew nor Gentile. And we think of how there is neither bond or free. Or it speaks of the unity of man. We are all one flesh together. And we have the same needs. And we have the same Uh, faults and failures We we are sinners in the sight of a holy God and so when you look at these testimonies you can pick out the similarities and you can see the universal message of salvation here is the universal gospel here is the universal message that comes to men and women wherever you are no matter who you may be no matter about your background or your family circumstances, here is something that applies to all. And so what I want to do tonight is to look at these three testimonies and we want to pick out the similarities between them. And it is a universal message then that comes to every man and woman, no matter who you may be. And the first thing then I want you to see as we look at the similarities between these men is that they all had the same heartaches they all had uh, the uh, trials and tribulations of this life these men each one of them you can see that each one in their different ways had made good on their careers their lives had uh, been blessed in many ways but even though they had uh, been a success in many ways they still had the same heartaches and the same difficulties. And in this life we face heartaches and we face difficulties. Because we live in a world that has been blighted by sin. We think of how in the Garden of Eden man uh, sinned against God. And we think of the curse that came in. And as a result of the curse in came the trials and the difficulties. And the discouragements and the sicknesses and all the trials of this life. And we can see that in the lives of these three men in different uh, respects. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, Paul said, There is no temptation uh, taken you, but such, is as w- w- such as is common to man. And it's the words that the trials are common to man that I want you to see. We all face the difficulties. We all face the heartaches. And you can see it in the three men here. The, the Ethiopian here, he is a high court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopian. He is a man of power and a man of influence. But he was a, a eunuch. And that means that his body had been mutilated for the purpose of servitude. That's what it was done for in those days. So he would be dedicated, that he would be able to serve. So you think of what had happened in the life of this man. He was really dedicated to servitude. He was really a slave in many ways. He was a high-up slave. He was a man who had a very great power and influence. But on the other hand, he had a slavery. And there, and we think of the slavery of sin. We think of how the sin brings us into bondage and into slavery. And then you think about the centurion, and he is a military man, and he'd fought with the Roman uh, legions, and he had to quell rebellions, and he'd been in battles. I don't know how many battles he'd been in, but he is a legion, uh, legionary centurion, and he had the uh, charge of men. Uh, But he was also a member then of the hated and despised occupying force of uh, uh, Israel at that time. He would have been despised by the people. He would have been hated by the people. And as he went about, there was the scorning and there was the the, uh, mockery of him. And uh, Well, they wouldn't have mocked him too much because he had a sword in his hand. But nevertheless, the people hated him. And he would have known that. And you think of that hatred that there was in his life. And then you think of Paul. And he left behind his old Jewish religion. And you think of the, as he became a follower of Christ, he was shipwrecked and he was beaten and he was thrown in prison and he was left to die. So these men knew the hardships of life. And we know that hardships plague this world. We don't escape The hardships. It doesn't matter about our birth or our background. It doesn't matter about these things. Here's this man, a man of great authority, the Ethiopian. Another man of great authority, the centurion. You think of Paul, and he had a place amongst the Pharisee, trained at the feet of Gamaliel. All of these men had advantages in life, and yet they still faced the trials and the troubles of this life. Because this life is a life that is blighted by sin. And we are sinners in the sight of a holy God. And you know sometimes in our sin we get down under it and we become like victims and we're hurt and we're broken. And maybe tonight you're feeling the hurt and the brokenness. And you recognize that there are many things in this life that are uh, things that are benighted you and there are things that have come against you. Maybe tonight in this meeting you recognize that this old world in which we live is a veil of tears. It is a veil of tears. There is no happiness except in the Lord Jesus Christ. In God's presence there is fullness of joy and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. but I want you to see that these men had the same heartaches. they faced a world that is broken, a world that is cursed. But they don't want you to see that they had the same hunger because each of these men from different backgrounds, from different parts of the world, but I want you to see that they began to feel the weight of their sin. They began to begin be, began to search for something different, for something to change. You think of these men and you think of the Ethiopian eunuch and he had a hunger in his heart despite his monetary power. Here's a man who was a treasure. Here's a man, an Ethiopian that day, would have been a great power in the world. It was a great kingdom. But he had the disposal of the wealth of the kingdom. He was the treasure. ...of the Queen, like the Chancellor of the Exchequer... ...but with more power in those days. And we read that he was going up to Jerusalem. So he was a Jewish proselyte. Now, history would tell us that... ...there was a certain amount of influence in Ethiopia... ...from the time of the Queen of Sheba... ...when Sheba had gone to meet with Solomon... ...and she had seen the might and the power of the kingdom... ...there was always in Ethiopia... As something of that and maybe this Ethiopian had come across that in some way but he seems to have been a Jewish proselyte and he'd gone up to the temple and he'd gone to the sacrifices and he wanted to worship the living and the true God but he's going home and he's reading in this book and he doesn't understand and he's reading in the book he's reading in the law because he wants to know he wants to know he wants to know the way He wants to know about this true God. I wonder tonight, do you want to know about the true God? I wonder if this hunger is in your heart. And we read that the Holy Spirit sends Philip to lead the man and to preach Christ to him. But I want you to see that With all his monetary power, with all his wealth, he's traveling in a chariot here, and that would have indicated his wealth. He has servants with him, even though he's a servant himself. But we read in the Bible that a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he possesseth. And we read about, or we know of people, and that's what their life consists of. They're looking for more money and looking for more wealth. But wealth will not satisfy you. John Caldwell, the founder of Phones For You, is the latest billionaire to, well, he's probably not the latest, but he's one of the latest, to tell us that a lot of money doesn't bring you happiness. He says that on the scale of one to nine, or one to ten of a happiness scale, he says that he's usually a two or a three. You think of Jay Gould, the American millionaire. And when he was dying, he said, I suppose I'm the most miserable man in the earth. You see, people look for wealth and live their lives, try to get wealth. But wealth doesn't satisfy the hunger didn't for this Ethiopian eunuch. And then you think about the Apostle Paul and his mental power. The Ethiopian eunuch had monetary power, but Paul had mental power. He is one of the greatest minds that has ever lived. He was a religious man. He was a Pharisee. He was learned in the law of Moses. He had sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the great Jewish teacher, and he is a hater of God, and of, or well, not a hater of God, but a hater of Jesus Christ, whom he, um, who is God, of course, but He is a hater of Jesus Christ specifically. He thinks that he's serving God by hating Jesus Christ. But we think of how the Lord puts him in the dust. And he cries out, Lord, what wilt thou have me to be? What wilt thou have me to do? And the man who had been persecuting those that followed the Lord Jesus Christ calls the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, The very Lord that he had been persecuting. And here he is with all his mental acumen. And we think of the books of the Bible that he wrote. And we think of the logic that comes out in those books and in the epistles. But here he is and he has found that all his academic uh, mental prowess means nothing. It doesn't satisfy the hunger that's in his heart. Henry Martin was a Cambridge University uh, student. He was honoured at only 20 20 years of age for his achievements in mathematics. In fact, he was given the highest recognition possible in his field. And yet he found that there was an emptiness inside. He said that instead of finding fulfilment in his achievements, he only, as he said, grasped at a shadow And he found that the shadow was turned into reality when he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He found the real source of satisfaction. And Henry Martin went out to India to be a a missionary and he learned three difficult Eastern languages and the achievements that he had were not passing shadows, but they were things that were going to stand for eternity. And he didn't find his hunger satisfied in mental prowess or mental power. But what about Cornelius, the centurion? Well, the centurion had a hunger in his heart despite his military power. This was a man who was in charge of uh, soldiers. A centurion in those days was the principal officer of the Roman uh, army. He probably had command of around 100 soldiers and there were 60 uh, c- uh, centurions in a legion. Uh, so here's a man who has a certain amount of power, military power. He has uh, might behind him. But we find that this man, in spite of his military power, finds that there is nothing that satisfies his hunger. So here's a man with all of these powers that people look for. There's monetary power. There is mental power. There is um, military power. But none of these things meet the need of their heart. And dear friend, they won't for you either. I wonder what you're spending your life for. What what is it? There's a hunger deep in your heart and you're spending your life looking for these things but these things will not satisfy. And deep in the heart of every man and woman there is the same hunger that was in the life of Cornelius and the Ethiopian eunuch and Saul of Tarsus. There is a hunger. If only you recognized it. It is a hole that only God can fill. But something else I want you to see about these men. They had the same hardships and the same hunger, but also they had the same hope. These men were able to find what they were seeking for, and they found what they needed in the same person. I want you to think about the Ethiopian eunuch, and he's going down, he has the scroll of Isaiah. He doesn't understand. Philip comes along, and he asks Philip, "'Can you tell me what this means?' And we read in the Bible how that Philip opened to him the Scriptures and preached to him Christ. There was the answer to his need. There was the answer to his problem. There was the fulfillment of his hunger. It was found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He began, Philip, at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Dear friend, that's the answer to your need. You think of what the uh, portion of scripture that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. It was Isaiah 53. How that the Lord Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and how the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. We read how it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him smitten of God and afflicted. He's the one who bear our sins in his own body on the tree. And when the man heard that he said really in his heart this is what I need. This is the hope. This is the certainty. This is the one who is able to meet the need of my heart. And he found that in the Lord Jesus Christ. What about Saul of Tarsus? Well here's Saul of Tarsus going up to Damascus. He doesn't really recognizes his need, or at least it's covered over. He's so full of hatred against the things of God that really the hunger that he has really is not really the prominent thing in his life. And maybe that's you. Such a hatred of the things of God, such an antagonism to the things of God, that you don't recognize the hunger that's in your heart. It's only when the Lord put him in the dust that Saul of Tarsus recognized There was something that he needed. And we find how the Lord appeared to him. And the Saul says, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Where did his hope come from? In Jesus, whom he persecuted. And then he's transformed by the power of God. And the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the same thing is true of Cornelius. We read about Cornelius, and there is a. a, a the Apostle Peter is in Joppa, and uh, he has a vision from God, a dream. It really means that the Gentiles are going to be brought into the kingdom of God. And we read that the Holy Spirit brings Peter to um, where. Um, uh, Cornelius is. Peter is brought to where Cornelius is, and then we read that Peter, what does he preach to him? Well, if you read Acts chapter 10, verses 39 to 43, you'll read what Peter said to him. It's, he says the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ and then he goes on how God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth, whom the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. So again, you'll find the one that Peter preaches to Cornelius is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see that in every case, where is hope? Where is peace? He says that he's, the, uh, the, he's preaching. Peace by Jesus Christ. Where is peace? Where is peace of heart? It's found in our blessed Redeemer. It's found in our Savior. And dear friend, that's what we want to present to you. That's the message that needs to be brought. This is the universal message. Remember that we're saying that these men represent the three families of the world. They represent the three inhabited uh, continents of the world. Really, this is speaking about the universal need of men and women. And what is it? It's Christ. It's Jesus Christ. We're not preaching to your church. We're not telling you about denomination. We're not directing you to a philosophy or a, a theology in itself. We are preaching Christ. But not only is it the person of Christ, it's the pardon of Christ. He says, you look at what the Roman, or the um, Cornelius was told. He says that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall find remission of sins. That's what you need. That's that's where peace comes from. Peace with God, that peace that passeth all understanding. Paul wrote to the Colossians in Colossians 1 and 2, and he spoke of that uh, Christ in you the hope of glory. And that's the hope that every one of us need. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is not other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. It's the same hope. But one more thing very briefly, and that is the fact that these three men had the same help. We find that each of them has somebody to direct them. Somebody to preach the word to them. Someone to preach Christ to them. In the uh, case of um, the Ethiopian eunuch, it was Philip, the evangelist. And we read how that he preached Christ to him. He preached Jesus. And then in the, uh, in the, in the uh, case of Paul, first of all, in a very unusual thing, the Lord appears to him, uh, directly, because Paul is going to be an apostle. But then we read that he's sent into Damascus, and God has a man there—a man by the name of Ananias—and Ananias is there to direct him. And then, in the case of the um, uh, of the centurion Cornelius, it is the apostle Peter who preaches the gospel of peace to this man. So every one of them has someday, And we know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And God sends his word. and God sends his man. God sends his messenger in order to bring the word of God. And we think of how the word of God, it says in Jeremiah 23 and 29, is not my word like as a fire saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. There's power in the Word of God. It's not just a message. It's not just that we bring something, that we're uh, bringing some kind of lecture here. But it is the power of the Word of God. We think of what it says in Isaiah 55 and 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And that's why... We like to get men and women under the sound of the preaching of the word of God because we think of how the Bible says that God sends his preachers and how we need to hear the preaching of the word of God. For God's word has power. Oh, that God through his word today would speak to you. But not only do you need to hear the word, but you've got to heed it. To as many as received him, to them give you the power to become the sons of God. And the preaching of the word is not just sharing of knowledge. It's not just um, uh, teaching. But we come with the medium of the powerful word of God. And it is by the Holy Spirit that the word is applied. And by the application of the Holy Spirit, God brings men to himself, opens the heart Like Lydia, the heart is open, but the gospel must be heeded. Each one of these men from the different parts of the world, from the different families of the earth, each one of them had, as it were, to have his heart opened, and he had to be saved by the grace of God. And we think of the wonderful thing that these men are from different backgrounds, but each one of them is saved the same way. Each one of them gets the same message. Each one of them hears the same about the same Savior. Because there's only one way of salvation in this world, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. May you come that way. May you come to the one and only Saviour. And may you heed the word of God tonight and close in with God's great offer of mercy. May you come. And if God has spoken to you tonight, don't go away without the Saviour, but trust and trust in the one who is able to take your sins away and make you fit for everlasting life. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for these testimonies that we have in the word of God. We think of these men that represent the three great families of the earth, the family of Ham and the family of Japheth and the family of Shem. And, O God, we thank thee that they came the same way They came through the same Savior, and they were able to come through the same Savior. Lord, we thank Thee that it doesn't matter about the background or the family that men, women come from. We're glad that there is salvation and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Draw near to our hearts and write Thy word upon every life, even this evening, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Can we sing a couple of verses of Hymn 232? The Hymn 232, O Seder, the Saviour is calling for thee. Long, long has he called thee in vain. He called thee when joy lent its crown to thy days. He called thee in sorrow and pain. We'll sing the first and the last verse of the hymn and will stand please as we sing God and our gracious Father, we pray that men and women might not drift over the deadline, but Lord, thou close in with thine offer of mercy. We pray that thou wouldst part us now in thy fear and with thy blessing. Uh, We pray that unto the King, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be glory and honour and power and dominion, both now and in the incoming days, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.